3: Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer and this is my brother Jonah.
4: We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today Who
3: are extremely chic if I do say so myself
4: welcome to how did we get weird?
3: Okay, Jonas. today we're doing a very special episode about the movie Shallow Hal*, And, you know, it's really exciting because our podcast premieres on September 27th. This episode comes out on September 27th. And your birthday is September 27th.
4: Yes. So, yeah, thank you. I guess it's like a, a, a roundabout way of you wishing me happy birthday. Yes. So thank you for that. And what's also amazing about this is that this is also Gwyneth Paltrow's birthday.
3: Yes, who stars in Shallow Hal*?
4: Who stars in Shallow Hal*? and probably on her birthday, it is like the thing she would least want to be reminded <laughs> about. So nothing personal about Gwen Paltrow, but uh, it just happens to be like really good synergy and probably a great time to discuss the movie Shallow Hal*. If you haven't seen this movie and you're wondering why we're talking about it, there's just so many podcasts out there and we thought, <laughs> you know, it's important to have like a relevant topic. And so why not have me and Vanessa... Kind of do a deep dive. There's so much to unpack about this film. I feel like we need like a whole... Yes. Like a hundred suitcases.
3: So I just want to start out by telling you, the listener, why this movie is important to Jonah and I. And it goes back to a family trip we did that was shockingly only five years ago. (laughs) I think it was
4: more than five years ago. (laughs) It was
3: definitely 2016. And um, where... We went to Seattle with our parents, and um, marijuana was legal in Seattle at the time, and that was very novel to us because it wasn't it wasn't uh, legal in New York where we were living. And so we went to this dispensary and we bought these edibles. We bought these caramels, and they had ten milligrams of THC in each of them. And Jonah got on the phone with his stoner friend who said, you won't get high, you won't feel anything unless you have at least 40 milligrams. So we went back to our hotel (laughs) and uh, we're like, okay, that makes sense. So I proceeded to have 40 milligrams uh, of THC. Jonah had the other 60. It was a bag of 100 uh, milligrams. And I don't know about you, Jonah, but I proceeded to get so incredibly high, uh, you know.
4: Yeah. So, so basically, I mean, I don't remember the exact milligrams and, uh, yeah, I have a friend who's really knowledgeable about this stuff who gave us this advice.
3: It seems like he's maybe not that knowledgeable. Well, I think everyone's (laughs)
4: tolerance is different, right? So I think that it would affect maybe someone, someone else more, someone else less. To
3: say you wouldn't feel anything unless you had 40 milligrams of THC feels like (laughs) not the smart. Okay. I don't know. I
4: think it's really, I think it really depends on the person. Okay. So I think we just, you know, had very kind of low tolerance for some reason at this point. But so, yeah. So I don't remember the exact amounts. Vanessa has a better memory. What I do remember is that we had two twin beds and we were watching TV. My parents were in the other room and Shallow Howl was on. And, you know, at the time it seemed like, okay, we should watch this movie. Haven't seen this movie, you know, in 15 years, whatever, since it came out. And so we started watching it and you know we'll get into the plot of the movie but <laughs> but it's so hard for me to explain but but Vanessa somehow in her state of mind had the whole plot of the movie reversed yes. and so we'll get into the plot but basically the plot is you know Jack Black gets put under this sort of spell by Tony Robbins <laughs> who's who is a motivational speaker who is not like it was, so that sort of doesn't Tony make Robbins sense is playing himself playing himself right and so, um, where he only sees the inner beauty of people. And so, basically, he'll see people who are, I guess, like, not conventionally meeting today's beauty standards. And if they have a really good personality or are altruistic, he'll see them as, as like, supermodels. The whole, the whole crux of the movie is that, like, Gwyneth Paltrow is, plays this, you know, I don't know, this 300-pound woman who appears to Jack Black in this state as looking like Gwyneth Paltrow in reality. And so Vanessa thought it was the opposite. Vanessa basically <laughs> thought that like.
3: <laughs> well, I, I didn't, I knew that that was the plot, but I think in my high state, I thought that people that were like, I reversed like who was actually nice and who, who actually was beautiful inside and who wasn't. And I thought that like the people that were, you saw as beautiful were, yeah, I guess I did reverse the plot.
4: Yeah, it's it's hard for me to even have this conversation on the podcast because I was trying to explain this to Vanessa so many times, <laughs> like, but as we we're watching this movie and like, it was so hard to explain. I was like, "No, you have it backwards," and, and this is why and she'd be like, "No, this 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 lady is actually really." ugly on the inside I'm like no she's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the exact opposite of the movie and I felt like we spent like half the movie of me trying to explain it and us and it, it it was it's kind of a hard plot of a movie to explain even in reality, because it's it it is so crazy to me that this movie was made. But then when someone has it backwards and you're trying to explain it to them,
3: <laughs> and you're incredibly high yourself,
4: it, it's it's just a total recipe for frustration. Yes, it turns out to be a pretty good story. And uh, Vanessa, you actually use this story in a in a film you were in.
3: Yes. Well, I um I was in this film Ibiza, and we were doing some improvisation in it, and I um said to Phoebe Robinson's character. Um, we were talking about getting high and I said, remember the last time I got high, I reversed the plot of Shallow Hal and it made it into the movie. So if anyone sees the movie Ibiza and sees that reference now, you know where it came from. Now, everything turned out fine for Jonah and I. I mean, we were incredibly late to brunch with our parents the next day. I think I would call it an hour late because <laughs> we were so high. Um but it all turned out, and and so I have to say, rewatching this movie, Jonah and I just rewatched the film this week, and rewatching it, I realized I really had never seen it before because the only time I saw it was with you, incredibly high, and I want to kind of read the logline to people, so just just to catch people up in case they're not huge shallow hell, you know, aficionados. I just want to read a little logline that we wrote about it. So the plot basically is after a traumatic experience as a child where he watched his reverend father pass away while giving him the advice that the most important thing in the world is to end up with a gorgeous woman who is, quote, a perfect (laughs) a perfect can and great toddies. We meet Hal as a shallow adult who is only interested in very attractive and thin women. However, as luck would have it, he gets temporarily stuck in an elevator with celebrity motivational speaker Tony Robbins, who puts a curse on Hal that makes him see people with beautiful personalities as people who are beautiful and thin on the outside. He falls in love with his boss's daughter, Rosemary, who he sees as Gwyneth Paltrow, and later as Gwyneth Paltrow in a fat suit. And just as their romance progresses, the spell is lifted, and he must decide whether he can truly love someone based on their inner beauty.
4: I thought we could start out by going over some of the characters really quick. And even if you haven't seen this movie, you should still listen to our podcast, because (laughs) um, there's so much to talk about this movie that you'll still find interesting. So first you have Hal, of course, played by Jack Black, and this is Jack Black, um, hot off High Fidelity. Yes, yes. Obviously he had Tenacious D, but High Fidelity I feel like was sort of his breakthrough kind of acting role. And I feel like this was oh, in this movie was directed by the Farrelly brothers, in case you didn't know that. But this was sort of Jack Black's first leading, leading kind of starring role.
3: It's interesting because he and Jason Alexander, who is also in the film, were both kind of coming off of these very well-respected comedy, like, Jack Black had been doing so much Tenacious D stuff, and people obviously love that. Um, Jason Alexander, you know, Seinfeld ended in 1998, this movie came out in 2001, so it's like, they both were coming from these very, like, incredible comedy careers, and this was their next step.
4: (laughs) Yeah, and also the Farrelly brothers had come off there's something about Mary and uh, Me, Myself, and Irene, which, you know, is their their take on addressing mental health disorders. So that, that might be one we talk about down the road sometime. You never know. So yeah, so you have Jason Alexander, kind of a few years out of Seinfeld, and then you have Jack Black, and then Gwyneth Paltrow, you have the movie before this she did the Royal Tannenbaums, which is, you know, such a celebrated Wes Anderson film. I feel like people still kind of dress up like those characters. So, I mean, really like the polar opposite of Shallow how.
3: Yeah. I mean, they're all really doing so well in their careers and then they all signed on to do Shallow how, which... Fairly Brothers, you know, big name, talented guys. I'm sure they were like this. This is going to be great. Now it feels like they they may have some regret about doing this film. We'll get into that later. But another person who's in this film, as I as we talked about earlier, playing himself, is Tony Robbins. And Jonah, you did some research on how and why Tony Robbins is in this film.
4: Yeah, and this is just something I found in like a local newspaper from I think like 2002. So. I don't know if this is true. This could be wrong. But they said that um, the writer of the movie, his name is Sean Moyahan, was legally blind. That's why he wrote this movie about inner beauty. And I guess this... Tony Robbins said that this guy Sean was a a big fan of his and listened to Tony Robbins a lot during the goal-setting process. And so, um, apparently, Peter and Bobby Farrelly are fans of Tony Robbins as well. They wanted him to do Me, Myself, and Irene, but he couldn't for schedule reasons. So, I guess... The Fairley brothers got um, Tony Robbins to do this role, didn't tell the writer, who was a big fan, and then when Tony Robbins got to the set, it was like a big surprise for this guy to have Tony Robbins there. So very exciting.
3: Yeah, because initially it says in this article that they were going
4: to... It was going to be like a psychic, which, which would make more sense.
3: Would make way more sense, because putting spells on people really isn't something that motivational speaker Tony Robbins does. He does
4: do these kind of like interventions, I think, that are like a little bit like physical and exaggerated but i mean i feel like he he helps people in like realize inner potential he doesn't like really like hypnotize them
3: well at one point if you'll remember he puts his hand on uh on hal's head and says like devil out or something like that that feels very not like what he does in his day-to-day i
4: guess this this scene with jack black was very improvised like jack black didn't know exactly what he was going to do
3: Well, it's also funny because you're watching a lot of Tony Robbins and Jack Black performing together, and they have obviously really different styles. And, you know, Jack Black is kind of trying to be funny and and, and is fun. you know, is, is like kind of loose. And Tony Robbins is sort of just being himself and trying to like... You know, communicate and get on the same page with this like character. It's very. I found it to be interesting, but also hard to watch. <laughs> I found
4: it to be kind of well. Tony Robbins is, is is just clearly not an actor, so it's not. It's not. That's not a right, good thing or a right, bad right. thing, but it's. It's. He's has like sort of a lot of interaction in the film. I mean, he sort of is sort of like the messaging of the film. He sort of is like the voice of reason throughout the film, but it's delivered to these people playing these super exaggerated characters.
3: Well, he he's like in the film, you think like you're going to see him for a second, like he's going to do like a cameo thing and he's he's really in the film a lot and he's also kind of a huge part of the plot of the film so it's like, it's just uh, I think, you know, obviously especially when I watched it when I was completely high, I like, I didn't realize that this this film is so Tony Robbins yeah. Uh, Centered. Yeah, it really is. Another cast member who was in this film, which Jonah and I were both shocked to see, is at the very, very beginning of the movie, Molly Shannon, who I think was maybe still on SNL at the time. She plays young Hal's mother. And what a hilarious, funny person to be in, like a role that just is so not, she's so much better than that role. They were just so lucky to have her play this this woman who is kind of burned by her husband as he's on his deathbed, which just to go back to that, like at the beginning of the film, her husband, who's a reverend, basically tells his young son, his young son, Hal, uh, not to marry for love like he did. It was a nightmare. So it's kind of a burn to Molly and just to marry for looks when Molly is beautiful and also that guy should be so lucky. OK,
4: so after this break, we are going to talk about the logic and the flaws of this film. So we're going to do a quick break and we'll be right back.
0: Hacks is back for season three. And so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy winning comedy series.
2: Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a man. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
3: Okay, so we're back. And uh, we wanted to kind of get into some of the logic and flaws of this film. Jonah, would you like to start?
4: Yeah, I mean, so there's just so much to wrap your head around with Shallow Hal. And, uh, like, I sent Vanessa a long text about this morning. Like, I've been, like, thinking about it. I've been watching it. And so I guess the first thing that we notice is, like, so Jack Black is only able to see this inner beauty in people after his Tony Robbins encounter, but it seemingly only applies to certain people and mostly only women.
3: Just to clarify so people understand, like, he sees this, like, overweight woman as Gwyneth Paltrow. So, like, to the rest of the world, she looks like this overweight woman. To him, she looks like Gwyneth Paltrow. And that's kind of...
4: Right. And, for example, Gwyneth Paltrow is, like, in the Peace Corps. She, like, gives, like, food to homeless people. Like, she's very... She
3: works at a hospital. So, her in... So, she has a lot of inner beauty, so that's why he sees her as Gwyneth, this this woman, Rosemary. That's why he sees her as Gwyneth Paltrow.
4: But the issue is that he doesn't see everyone in this different way. Like, he sees, like, his friend Mauricio, played by uh, Jason Alexander, this as, as exactly the same. He sees Rosemary's father being the same, but her mother he sees as being very attractive, even though... She's much bigger in real life.
3: And another flaw that we will get on to, which is that like this movie definitely equates attractiveness with thinness. Okay, go okay, go back.
4: Yeah, and then, you know, but but Rosemary has two friends in the Peace Corps. He sees them as being um as being different, but then every other man in the movie is the same. And then Jack Black has this weird relationship with his neighbor who uh basically essentially d- 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 sort of um rejects him and then decides she likes him because he's going out with with Rosemary which means he's not superficial but he sees her the same all the way through so it must mean that that her personality must exactly match who she is on the inside
3: it really makes no sense and then there's other people like at his work and at is that are like he sees exactly the same so you're like oh i guess basically 90% of the people in this film match their personality on the inside and outside.
4: There's no levels. There's no nuance. Everything is just sort of broken down into these extremes based on sort of conventional beauty standards.
3: Yeah. And and, and to, to go off of that, another issue which I was kind of mentioning just now was this movie equates beauty with thinness. And it also, so if you're beautiful, you're not only like have like a you know it's not just that you're beautiful it's that you're also thin and this film also portrays fat people as not having any awareness of social etiquette so for example you know jack black sees rosemary as gwyneth as a as a, she looks like gwyneth paltrow but then when they share a chocolate phosphate they both have their straws in it and she drinks the whole thing by herself which is so <laughs> insulting to fa- it's like that's not and then there's another uh, instance when Um, Jack Black has gotten a promotion at work and two of his friends bring him this cake and Rosemary has to leave. But before she does, she's like, can I take a sliver of the cake? And she cuts half of the cake and then she just starts eating it like a piece of pizza as she leaves the room, which like no one would ever do that. And to, to just like it's I think they thought it was so funny to like show Gwyneth Paltrow like eating so much like it just it feels so so bad
4: and it also seems like they tried to like sort of cover these things like they i think they were like and one scene like they're in a date and when patra orders all this food um in her in her and and she's like you know i can never lose weight so now i just order what i want and you know jack black's like oh, i love a girl who likes to eat because he's he's seeing her he's going to the and so i feel like you're like oh she orders what she wants but it's also like Yeah, but that doesn't mean she has no kind of social etiquette.
3: Yes, exactly. It's like they try and get away with that behavior by like saying like, she just eats what she wants, but it's so crazy.
4: Yeah. And then so it's just basically like, um, you know, another thing that's another sort of flaw that, you know, because of the lack of just kind of nuances movie is all of these women who Jack Black is trying to to pick up, like once he's seeing their inner beauty, they're like, are in shock that like someone would be nice to them or someone. And, and I get, I get, I really get what the Fairly Brothers are trying to say. Like they're trying to, to say that like, you know, people can really blend in or, you know, be ignored or, you know, if, if they're not, don't have a certain type of a body type. And I think that that is absolutely can be true. But the fact that like, a woman like Jack Black would go up to her and she would be like, "Oh me? Uh, I do. You want to share this cab? I don't. I don't know." And like,
3: it's just like the idea that anyone who is not conventionally beautiful or thin
4: would have like no self worth.
3: Exactly. It, it's like these women because they're not conventionally like whatever. They cannot believe the idea that Jack Black's character would be asking them out. They're all like. What? You want to go out with me? And they all say stuff like, I'd never have had good luck with men. Like people never want to date me. And it's like, that's not true. That's like so like it's so crazy that it's like because these women like all are just like so such low self-esteem, have have had such a hard time dating, just because they're not like conventionally beautiful and or thin. It's it's so insulting to Women and people in general. It's just like, that's just not (laughs) how it is to humanity. And then another thing that they do, which I thought was very (laughs) crazy, is they a lot of the women like you'll see them the way that Jack Black sees them, which is like very thin and very pretty because they're beautiful on the inside, quote unquote. And then the way that they look to other people is either like they're fat, insulting, or they make these women look ugly, quote unquote by putting makeup on them like from the film Hocus Pocus like it's like they give them really big eyebrows it makes it it just looks like these women you don't view them as ugly you just view them as like being so bad at doing their own makeup cuz they just have like really crazy makeup on where you're like that's also just like such a ignorant way to i don't know sorry i'm 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 losing my words cuz i'm getting upset
4: well do you have any i mean from, like, being you know, an, an actress, like, do you have any experience with like casting for something like that?
3: Well, yes. Yeah. So, so I was telling Jonah that I have, uh, I was thinking a lot about this film. I was thinking about like, you know, the women that had to audition to play the quote unquote ugly women in this film. And that is, I think
4: they're, I think they're credited as like unattractive and then the person's name.
3: Yes. Yes. So like, I really feel for those women because when I was living in Chicago before I was on SNL, basically the only auditions I would get would be for like, you know, unattractive woman or like or like weird woman. Like it was always, and I truly think it's because, and maybe I'm flattering myself, I truly think it's because I have curly hair. Like I think curly hair is seen as like, whoa, she's a freak. (laughs) But I love my curly hair. But I was telling Jonah and I actually kept, The email and actually the all of the audition materials in uh, I have this email from 2007. I was asked to audition for a commercial for a certain brand of peanuts. I won't say which brand so so as not to, uh, you know, Uh, but my I got I have this email from my agent, which says, Um, Please let me know if you can make it, break down below, copy attached. And then she wrote, look as unattractive as possible, three explanation points. So basically the description for the audition, it says they're looking for perfume woman, 22 to 50 years old, Caucasian, and then in all caps, very unattractive, basically as character-y and as ugly as possible. This is a Super Bowl spot for peanut company name they want something different they will do some stuff with makeup but they need a strong starting point so bad skin crooked teeth bad haircut way too thin dot 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 bony even weight just needs to be normal to thin all this stuff is important (laughs) that's the last line and then it says just just to get into it a little bit it's it we open on all caps, ugly woman. And then in parentheses, it's important that she, she's instantly readable as ugly because as we follow her through this spot, all the men in it are giving her attention worthy of a supermodel. I mean, literally this commercial is straight out of shallow hell, (laughs) but basically the plot of this commercial is that she's using the peanuts as her perfume, I guess. And so she's like (laughs) stopping traffic and stuff. And it's so unbelievable to the viewer of the commercial. Like, why would this, extremely ugly woman be given any kind of like respect or attention. And so I think, I wonder if the Fairley brothers were directing this. And
4: then I guess the thought, the logical like next thought is like, wow, these peanuts must be really good. I should buy. Some. Yeah. I
3: guess it's like, even though you don't buy peanuts to, uh, for the scent, because again, she's using them as perfume I guess I guess the viewer is it, of the commercial is supposed to go like, wow! Like not only is this uh, did these peanuts look really good, but the the company looks seems like they've got a really great sense of humor, and they're not problematic at all.
4: Yeah, I mean, so so that's did you did you end up doing that audition or no? Well,
3: you know, what's so funny. I I didn't tell you this, Jonah. I did the audition, and the whole time I did like with my mouth. I did like an under like because basically the audition was like walking around looking ugly. So basically, because there's no lines in it. You're just like, through it's all <laughs> physical stuff where you're like stopping traffic or whatever it is. So basically they were just like walk around the room. So I started walking around the room and I did it like with a big, I put my jaw into a big underbite because um, my friend Julie and I, who you know, Jonah, we used to like always like give ourselves an underbite and say like, guys love it when you have an underbite that was that was a big joke julie had anyways so i was trying to give myself an underbite to to you know uh, make myself look less attractive and at one point they stopped me and they said you don't they said what are you doing with your mouth and i was like oh i'm doing an underbite i thought it would help and they were like you don't need to do that <laughs>
4: Well, I mean the good news is you didn't get you didn't get the commercial
3: yeah it was like one of the first things where I was so like relieved to not get it and I do remember seeing the commercial and I think they did a similar thing to what they do the, to the women in Che hell where they had made the woman's eyebrows really big and also I think they like drew a big mole on her face or something I don't know it's it feels so gross but yeah. so I had my own kind of Shallow hell experience of of being the person who plays the non gorgeous person, and I think
4: we're getting to sort of like the, like the the crux of of the problem with the movie. Um, we're we're slowly building towards it. I mean, you know, there's the way that that overweight people are spoken about. Um, you know, especially by Jason Alexander's character. I mean, who just cannot believe that Jack Black would would be with an unattractive woman because Jason Alexander also kind of embodies this kind of superficial kind of um, you know. I don't know, this superficiality in our society. Um, so, you know, he's, he's calling these Wimmel hyena, hippo, giraffe, woolly mammoth. They're in a, in a canoe. Gwyneth Paltrow is, is on the bottom. Jack Black is like 10 feet up in the air. I mean, it's all of this kind of physical comedy and basically like name calling. Yeah,
3: So much name calling of these women. I mean, just exposing the way people think about these women. For example, we mentioned this neighbor that Hal has kind of a weird relationship with that he that's like that's very like conventionally beautiful. And she comes up to Hal after after um, she's seen him dating Rosemary. And she says, now I know appearances mean absolutely nothing to you. So, like, the fact that he's dating this woman who isn't conventionally beautiful, she's like, of course, like, you don't even care at all about appearance. It's, like, so insulting.
4: Yeah. And then there's one, there's only, I think, like, really one person where it goes the opposite direction. Like, there is this nurse at the hospital who's kind of mean, and then Hal sees her as, like, an old woman <laughs> who, who who smokes cigarettes. And then it turns out once, he, once the spell... Is taken off of him he sees her as like a conventionally attractive woman she's the only one that goes the other way who who is who is d- doesn't have inner beauty yeah so outer that beauty. only
3: happens once in the movie which is strange but also the idea that someone is less attractive because they're older
4: <laughs> yeah so that's a problem yeah and then they're like how, well, how can we like drive this point home like i don't know give her a cigarette that'll make her look like bad
3: yeah although i think she might smoke as uh, either way <laughs> I think it's
4: just trying I think it's like uh, I think it's it's kind of like a character. Like I think character. it's like supposed to show her character. Yeah. Like but she also she by the way, she also works at a hospital.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah, but at one point Gwyneth probably calls, kind of the calls mean her nurse. like nurse, like yeah, the mean nurse or something. Right,
4: right. But so I think this is all sort of building towards um the fact that I don't think that this movie was intentioned to be like mean. Like I think I think this movie really the Fairley Brothers had this intention of being like, we're going to use Tony Robbins as like our mouthpiece. And Tony Robbins is, is sort of saying throughout this movie to Jack Black, you know, people are beautiful on the inside. Like, just what what is the definition of beauty? Like, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So, so society, magazines, you know, tell you that these models or whatever are what you should aspire. But but you should look, there's other ways. Inner beauty is a real thing. And I think that's really the point the Fairley Brothers are trying to make. But I think that, it's there's no character development like there's no like it's done in such a slapstick way where there's so many many like physical comedy jokes and Gwyneth Paltrow keeps breaking booths she's sitting in and it's done in a way where it's so hard to really take that point seriously because you really are like they want you to also laugh at these people a lot in the process totally and
3: I think the other thing that they ran into is like it's really hard to make the point that they're trying to make because like beauty is so subjective when like you see Hal sees this like really beautiful woman but then when you see what they actually look like in real life they just have really strong features like a lot of the people that are portrayed as unattractive just have like you know larger noses or like whatever and in a way that you're like well that person's still beautiful they're just not convinced it's it's so like it's just interesting because it's like you you like, a lot of these fat people are very beautiful. Like, it's just, it's a very hard thing to pull off in general to show, like, inner beauty versus outer beauty, and then to put it in a slapstick comedy, it's like...
4: Yeah, I sent Vanessa's text this morning, because I, I said, you know, I keep thinking about Shallow Hal, and I think the directors are trying to use Jack Black and Jason Alexander as a way of looking at the world that's superficial, but you never really get the sense they are objects of ridicule as much as unattractive people... Because the movie is basically entirely fat jokes until the final five minutes. I think if any of the characters, including the stars, had more fully formed character motivations, we might know, like, more behind their worldview. But there's, like, no character development. It's like, they're like, well, Jack Black had this, like, traumatic incident where his dad told him, like, only go after physical beauty when he, on his deathbed. So now Jack Black is, like, this is his personality. Like, that's not, that wouldn't, that's not how... That's not how, like, trauma works.
3: Well, that's the thing, too, is that, you know, they, they have this scene at the beginning of the movie where his father, who's a reverend, is like, if you marry a woman with, like, a great can and great toddies and then, like, don't don't settle for average poontang, and, like, these are all, I'm quoting the movie, and he's like, then you'll be in good stead with the Lord. So it's, like, right. it's saying, like, that's the, re- that's the reason that he ends up going after these women and he and later in the movie he like references that he had like a traumatic experience to tony robbins with his dad but like he can't remember what it was
4: right and that can happen so trauma can obviously be like buried or or blacked out but i i just think that like making it and then saying the trauma is like his dad making all of these like weird jokes and, th- and then they also try to show that his dad also like is like the cowboys in the room and they're like, oh, we're going to turn down his morphine. So you're also like get the sense that, that like his, his dad's on all these like drugs yeah. as he's... Cu- so it's just the whole thing is just so incredibly convoluted. Well, but
3: the other thing is like Jason Alexander's character is just like this too. And then you find out at the end of the film, another... Uh, really big swing that this film took that he has a tail so like his spine extends past his and and at one and so it's like the reason that he's really shallow is because he has a tail and
4: and then so jason alexander's character mauricio is is dating this woman who has one toe longer than another one and aside from that she's like perfect like, physically is, like, very, like, idealized. And she must which, be beautiful uh,
3: inside are, because Hal sees her as beautiful when he's under his belt. Yeah,
4: Hal sees her as beautiful, so she must be beautiful inside, too. One of those crazy people whose personality perfectly <laughs> matches the way they look. But the crazy part about that is, like, at one point, she's, like, <laughs> runs into them and she's, like, Hey, do you guys want to go see, like, the Beatles are reforming tonight? Uh, with with Eric Clapton is going to be playing John Lennon's part. It's gonna, only going to be, like, 70 people there. And he, like, looks at her toe and he's, like, Nah, not a fan of Clapton. It's, like... it's, it's just like so everything is just so absurdly unrealistic and then they want you to like make this kind of this point that's so kind of based in reality and like conventional beauty standards it's like but everything in this movie is like absurd how could how could you draw that connection well it's
3: also just the idea that they have to have these either jack you know jack black's character had this traumatic experience where his dad before he died told him to marry someone or to end up with someone who's really hot and jason alexander has a tail and that's why they act like this not because it's like a societal thing that is like a problem with our society which is like kind of the point they're trying to make in the movie is that like you should see people's inner beauty and it's it's like, well, couldn't these guys just have that issue because that's the problem with society, not because they both had these like very invented, insane things going on that made them be shallow in the way that they are. OK, we're going to throw to a commercial break and we'll we'll be right back to wrap up and talk about kind of what we've learned 20 years later about Shallow House.
2: get what you want without the complicated AT&T Fiber live like a Gagillionaire available wherever you get your podcast limited availability in select areas visit at slash Hypergig for details
4: okay so we're back and yes we are still talking about Shallow hell. <laughs> no every episode of the podcast won't be like this don't worry <laughs> but we wanted to talk a little bit about how the people in Shallow hell have looked back on it yes um, and I have to be honest and this is very telling. Many of the people of this movie have not spoken much about <laughs> it on the record. <laughs> I, I did find something uh, online. You know, I, I can't verify all these sources, so um, but this is from a site called Looper.com. Uh huh. And I guess you know it said that Jack Black acknowledged. Um, you know, he, he was excited to work with the Farrelly Brothers after Dumb and Dumber and something about Mary, but he wasn't happy with the final result of Shallow Hell. in two thousand six. So this is five years after the movie. He said, um, I had the opportunity to work with some dudes I thought were, were really funny, but it didn't turn out as I hoped. I wasn't proud of it, and I got paid a lot of money, so in retrospect, it feels like a sellout. Now, now again, I don't know if that's a real quote, but, but I could see um, Jack Black feeling that way.
3: Yes, yes.
4: And more recently, Gwyneth Paltrow actually gave like an interview like this year where it came up. Um, and in this interview, she described the movie as a disaster. And and if you follow Gwyneth Paltrow's career, you know, all the stuff she does with wellness, I mean, it's just so at odds with kind of most of what this movie represents. And, you know, they asked her like what she had worked on that she was like the most proud of and the least proud of. And, and least proud of was Shallow Hell.
3: <laughs> yeah, and it seems like the the Farrelly, it, we also have this article saying that the Farrelly's um, had to defend their film even as they promoted it and that they feel like their whole point Um, was misconstrued. And again, like Jonah was saying earlier, they said, we intended to show there's a lot of humanity out there. And if you don't judge people on what you or the world consider to be a classic American look, you may be in for a a big surprise on who you fall in love with. So,
4: And there are these moments where I do think they're trying to really drive that home and in like an emotional way that there is this scene with these kids at like a burn unit where like, they try to kind of like, humanize jack black's character and really really show this kind of inner beauty and that is like one of the i think like one of the few kind of like redeemable kind of scenes in the movie but it just feels like (laughs) it just feels incongruous with like the you know a bunch of fat jokes and then you're gonna put this you know it just feels it just doesn't
3: also the burn unit stuff is tough for me because i just feel like equating that with beauty and not or not beauty with kids uh it's like they're in a pediatric burn unit and and Jack Black doesn't see, like, their burn until the spell is lifted off of him. And I, I understand where they're going with it. I understand what they're trying to accomplish, but really, that part really didn't work for me.
4: Yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, I think he's trying to, like, he's seeing their inner, but yeah, but I agree. It's like, what what is that? What does this mean? Like, what is beautiful? What isn't? Who says? Like, you know, exactly. it's it's... It just seems like everything, every example of everything in the movie is so kind of heavy handed and over the top that it like, it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: So that's sort of all we could really find. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone else who's in the movie has really spoken about it, but I could find literally almost nothing from people in the movie talking about this movie. I think it generally was considered weird when it came out. And then I feel like it is aged just worse and worse <laughs> as as the years have gone by to the point where i was just reading like reviews about it and like some people were just like this movie's hilarious i love it and then, you know, and then five reviews later someone would be like, I, I can't believe this movie got made. I don't know. What do you think? Where do, where do you sort of stand with with, with Shallow Hell in 2021, Vanessa? You know,
3: I, obviously it's it 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 doesn't really hold up and it, I don't know that it ever did. <laughs> but I will say uh, watching it with fresh eyes, being sober, I, you know, I just I honestly can't believe it got made. And there were two moments that I wanted to call out that I remember from when I watched it when I was high. And basically these are the only two moments that I remember, which are um, we were referencing before the nurse who's mean and how we see her as an older woman. And I remember saying to you, Jonah, something to the effect of, oh, she's really beautiful uh, on the inside, but she looks like that. And you said, no, I remember you saying <laughs> a very to a very high me, no, she's not beautiful on the inside. And I was like, Jonah, you're wrong. I also remember this one, time when Gwyneth Paltrow is holding her phone and I remember thinking her phone was too small to work. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually I think when she leaves the restaurant where she sees Jack Black on a quote-unquote date with his beautiful neighbor and she's upset and she gets on the phone and he's like calling her from the payphone and I remember thinking her phone is way too small to work. Um, So those are the two moments that I really took away from it on 40 milligrams of THC. And I think I would say to anyone that that's probably the way to watch it. You know, assuming you don't have like an early brunch with your parents the next day.
4: Yeah. I mean, I I guess, you know, like I said, like, I think a lot of comedy from this era has not aged well. but, But I just think this movie particularly like. I would really like to see this movie as, like, maybe, like, a drama or something, you know, or, or you know, where, like, they do say take, like, like a famous actress and, and make her look this way and see how it changes her experience and maybe she meets someone who can really see her for who she is. And, like, I think you could, I think that movie could exist, but the way this movie is, is the whole way it's put together and, and executed, it just is, like... It's just is mind-blowing to me yeah. that, that, like, that that is the vehicle you would think to make a point about superficial beauty. And then they are like, but we have Tony Robbins in here, like, saying these things. Yeah. Like, and that is sort of like, they're using Tony Robbins as sort of this mouthpiece to Jack Black to kind of get those ideas out. And it sort of feels like, how could you think that <laughs> that, that would, like, negate everything else in the film? Like, it's just so wild to me that this movie exists
3: yeah and I just want to say really quickly too I mean I'm a huge Jack Black fan I think you are too love Gwyneth Paltrow. Sure, yeah. you know Jason Alexander I, I just wanted to tell a quick story about Jason Alexander that I just remembered Jonah do you know what story I'm gonna tell
4: I do know what story you're gonna tell I
3: think he's probably a really nice guy and but <laughs>
4: I totally forgot about this. I just remembered remembered it. it.
3: When I was in high school, I famously had leukemia. Maybe not famously, but I feel like I talk about it a lot. Um, I had leukemia.
4: It was in People magazine, you know. It it? was. Yeah. Yeah. I recently found a People Magazine. It has a photo of us in Hawaii in the magazine. Oh my on, like, God. Some profile I, I, now you. I
3: kind of remember giving them. Okay. Okay. Anyways. Wow. Such a celeb. I don't even know what publications I'm in. So so I'm totally fine now. Anyways, we went on a make trip with our parents to, to Maui, to Hawaii. And we were at a luau. We were staying at this resort and we were at a luau and Jason Alexander was there with his family And our dad was kind of drunk, the first Todd. And we went over to Jason Alexander and our dad did do the thing that you're really not supposed to do with actors where he said, hey, George, can I have a photo? And Jason Alexander said, it's Jason. And no. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think our dad took a picture from like really far away.
4: Yeah, I think we have a photo of him like eating a shrimp or something.
3: (laughs) I think that's a pretty good place to end this episode.
4: Yeah. So, um, you know, just to wrap things up, thank you for listening to how do we get weird. Right, your future episodes are going to have guests on them. <laughs> they will, you know, but this is just kind of a taste of, I guess the dynamic between me and Vanessa and all the and nostalgia what that we love
3: to get into and do research about.
4: Yes. And do research about, and you know, again, happy birthday to Gwyneth Paltrow. Happy
3: birthday to you, Jonah.
4: Happy birthday to me. Thank you. And, um, yeah, as, you know, if you want to give us a great present, it would be to subscribe to this podcast, listen every week, where you have some like, really amazing episodes coming up, and we're so happy to be part of um, iHeartMedia and Big Money Players Network. It's very exciting.
3: Yes.